What's going on, K Nation? Your boy Kendrick Gray, the Dreadlock Blur here, back with a Dreadlock Blur Talk interview. I have joining me today, Ms. Maya, Ms. May Muses. Is, is May, correct? It's Maya. Oh, it's Maya? Oh, okay. Um, I kind of got no, you right. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I kind of got confused with the name because you, you have it spelled May. So I said Maya before, but I wasn't really too sure. So I just want to make sure I get the name right before, you know, people out there watching, you know, start calling you the wrong name and stuff. <laughs> all the time all the time <laughs> all right um again i am joined by a fellow youtuber maya muses she's been on youtube for a little over two months correct correct and, and she has over two two thousand subscribers and counting so needless to say she's been doing fairly well for so thank you again for coming on to the show actually um i reached I'm out glad you asked um I'm, I'm glad i did too um for those of you guys who don't know, the reason why I asked her to be on the show because I've been following a lot of her videos and one of your videos particularly, and you know which one I'm talking about, really caught my attention. And I started watching your content after and I was like, I'd really like to have her on the show so we can actually talk a little bit more so people can get to know you. You know, not just your fan base, but you know, my fan base as well. Um, so very quickly, if you could just give, just, just give us a basic rundown of yourself real quick before we get into this thing. Well, I'm a general artist, so I do painting and I do a lot of writing, mostly writing now. Mm -hmm. I work with Transit, Transit Picture Studios, so that's how I got involved with Tahir and Tony, and that's where I got with that crew. Okay. And so I'm still working uh, on Wording is Hard, mm -hmm. but I no longer do Daddy Issues. That merged with a hot nothing. Please okay. keep watching. Daddy Issues, a hot nothing podcast. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I started my own YouTube YouTube about two months ago. That is that is awesome. Now, what made you start? What made you start your own YouTube channel? Because you, we pretty much know that there's a lot of people that have. Everybody who signs up with Google has a channel, but not everyone decides to actually go fully in on their channel. So, what made you start to do that? What made you decide to do that? Well, I've been doing YouTube for years now. I've just been managing other people's channels okay. or I've been writing for other people. Oh, okay. And then I figured, yeah, so I figured I might as well have a channel because there's a lot of stuff that I write, notebooks and notebooks full of stuff mm -hmm. that they'd never see the light of day. Okay, that that, that, that kind of almost sounds like what I did in the beginning. Um, there's a, just a lot. Of, I mean, I, I, did, I mean, what I write, I write for like, you know, other stuff, but like, the thing for, that I did for my YouTube channel was just things that I just had in my head. And I figured, we got technology now, so I might as well just put a camera in front of me and just start talking. Um, exactly. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. So what are the main things you write about, uh, essentially? Well, I do mostly comedy. I've done non-comedy before, mm -hmm. but it all comes back to comedy. Even the darkest stuff I write uh, turns out to be like a third comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, right now I'm working a lot with Kev. I'm doing a movie with Kev on stage. Nice, I'm writing nice. for him. Nice, very nice. And then we also have a project because he's, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how much I'm supposed to divulge, but he's got something coming up soon. So we have a project going, me, Tony, and to here, me, Tony Baker, and to here more. Okay. And that's going to live on that, on that platform. Okay. So. Like I said, most of my stuff, most of my time is taken by writing now and hardly any painting. Um, what do you enjoy mainly writing comedy? Is that really like your main forte or is it just something that you kind of happened into? I see everything through a comedic lens. So even if I, I've, I've written other things before that are non-comedic. But there's always comedic elements in them, or I think that they're funny. Mm -hmm. And then the editor will be like, why did you put this joke in here? It's completely inappropriate for the subject matter. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I guess everything's not funny then. Which is interesting because, at least in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure you have the same opinion, that to me, writing is subjective. Essentially, like, you yeah. know, we, we, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're a big, as big a movie buff as I probably am. So we we can find certain contexts that would be funny to us but not funny to other people and in today's climate rather like it's it's to me and i'm pretty sure to you too it's very easy to find comedy in even some of the most 
tragic of tragedies, so to speak. So, yeah, it, it's it's 2020, folks. Let's come on. If you can't laugh, you're just gonna keep crying. Okay. It is what yeah, it is. you gotta have a sense of humor. <laughs> now, how did you look up with Kev on stage and Tony Baker? Because I follow two. I follow those two, and those two are one of the funniest comedians out there, especially in social media. So, how did you link up with those guys? Well, we linked up with Tony years ago. Uh, we've been working with Tony for probably about five years now. Okay. And I just, for the most part, I do behind the scenes. Like, I write some sketches. I produce the Daddy Issues podcast. Okay. And then, yeah, and then they were like, oh, they need to be more on track, so you come on screen. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll go on screen. That's <laughs> that's not a problem. You only see this much, so I can, like, right. basically be in my workout clothes underneath. And right, right. still be fairly laid back. Um, so that started, I think that podcast started about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. And then Kev was a recent development because I work for transit pictures Mm -hmm. and they work with Kev. Okay. And so it just happened that they needed a writer. And as always, uh, people at transit pictures are very supportive and they said, yo, we know a girl that can write really well. Let's give her a shot. And so that's just what I've been doing. Just, you know, keep writing, keep making those deadlines, keep listening to everybody's notes and just, you know, do the best I can. Now, now me, cause when I write, I write for pretty much me. Like I'm, I'm kind of in the independent, you know, um, um, limelight of like filmmaking and like content creation and stuff. So do you, do you sometimes feel the pressure of like meeting a deadline? And then having to go back and forth and edit and re-edit and stuff like that. Because I know from the people that I've met in the entertainment industry, that can be one of like the nails in the coffin when it comes to like things of like being a content creator, like having to meet a deadline. So have you ever felt like that pressure as it like gotten you to the point where it's like, ah, why am I doing this? <laughs> no, I've never asked why I'm doing it, but I have, I have asked for a little bit more time like a few more days here and there just because i have something i can send but it's not something i would like to send because i know the criticism would be criticism i don't necessarily deserve because it doesn't apply to the product i wanted to put out right so i'll say you know can i just have another week just to make sure i do something that i like and they're they're very cool about it they've always said yeah sure that's fine as far as hard hard deadlines go Mm -hmm. We haven't had anything that's been, if you don't get this out right now, we can't roll camera and we're all screwed kind right. of thing yet. Mm-hmm. So, so it's been all right. Okay. Have you lived in LA most of your life or like your whole life? No, I was born on the East Coast. Oh, okay. All right. What, where in the East Coast? in Boston. Oh, Boston. All right. So very north, yeah. very north up here. I love New England. I'm going to come back. I really am. I plan to settle back up in New England and not over here. Really? How come? Well, it's hot. It's the yeah. air is pretty bad. Really? Oh, the well, air is terrible in Los Angeles. Like, I mean, I know, I know dealing, I know since the um, wildfires has been like a really big issue for the past month or so. Um, I guess everybody's feeling the um the effects and the after effects from that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they give you the warning on your phone. Like most most places, when you look at the weather, they'll say, "Oh, it's a little cloudy." You know, watch out for rain. Here, it'll say, "Air is unsafe." Mm. Straight yeah. up, air is unsafe. So stay inside if you if you have asthma. I don't mm. have asthma, but I don't want to have kids, and then they get asthma because I wanted to live in LA. Right. Yeah, I guess every part of the country has it. Like when I lived in Florida for a few years and we got tornado warnings and hurricane warnings and things like that. So those were fun. Those were fun. But um, yeah, like I said, I live in Jersey. So as much as I like, I would like to travel all over the place. I'm probably planted right here. <laughs> I don't really see myself moving too far away. But um. Now, your YouTube channel, like I said, you've been doing it for about a little over two months. And, you know, I've been watching, you know, I'm a numbers guy, so I've been watching the numbers, and the numbers have been really climbing up. Um, what do you attribute that to? Well, 
Tahir shouted me out on um, Wording is Hard a few weeks ago because mm-hmm. I started my YouTube and he's like, oh, you have a YouTube? So he's he started making fun of me. Him and Ron G were like, oh, you got a YouTube now. I think you're too good. And he was, <laughs> he was teasing me there. But that, that gave me a bump. And then I got the bump from Daddy Issues because I said, mm-hmm. hey, guys, I'm going to be starting a YouTube. So a lot of those viewers came and followed me over. Right. And then I had some po- I have a few popular videos that seems to be doing okay. Right. And then people watch them and they say, oh, you you seem to know what you're talking about. You did some research. And I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I respect you guys enough to not just come out here and not have done any research and right. you know, talk to you about these things. Now, considering that you've been YouTubing for two months, have you hit any of the, I guess the best way to put it, any of the pitfalls and negative side of the YouTubing universe. Has any of that hit you yet? Yeah, but not for my subscribers. Okay. It's been other people who come in. You usually, and and that's usually good. And what most people don't understand is oftentimes a lot of people that get hate on their YouTube channels, a lot of it sends from, it sends from people who are not subscribed to you. Yeah. Is oftentimes yeah. people who just come in, come in just to download your video. People who just come in just to, or like like something like similar to Facebook, where like say if you post a meme on Facebook and someone comes in with a whole long paragraph on why this is wrong, is like no, nobody asked you to be here. Why, why are you yeah. why are you ring on everybody's parade with your seriousness? Like this is for fun, people. This is for fun. Granted, yeah. there's I mean, granted, there's people that do this as a livelihood. But again, respect. I mean, hopefully, it's fun for them. I mean, luckily, you're coming in at a time where a lot of the things or algorithms have changed for YouTube. You know, you know, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the apocalypses that YouTube has had within the past couple of years. Algorithms changing, people getting demonetized, and things like that. But ultimately, if you're going to do this thing, you you have to be doing it for fun. You have to. Yeah. You know that that's pretty much what it comes down to. You know, um, so now you mentioned that you have a few popular popular videos. Um, which were some, what are some of those videos? The one that's really popular right now is why everybody is leaving LA. And that gets a lot of comments from mm. people who tell me not to move to their state. And both the way I've been doing I was like, I wasn't going to move to your state. I don't know why you have to point this out. I'm not joking. There's been like a hundred comments this week of people just saying, well, don't come over here and vote blue. I was like, I wasn't gonna. <laughs> it's all right. That is If most... I did go there. Yeah. Like if I did go there, I wouldn't vote blue clearly, but I don't, you don't need to tell me <laughs> that's I'm respectful of your state and what y'all do. Again, the climate has skewed a lot of people's minds, you know, so that is a very far, excuse the term, but that's a very far thing to say to someone who's thinking about relocating, like, don't come here, but like, what? Like, I'm just trying, like, many people, you're just trying to live. So, I mean, but I don't know. Like, anyway, you said that, um, why people are leaving LA is a good one. What's another popular one that you have? I did a a cuties review, Mignon's, and that made a lot of people mad. Now we're gonna get into that one in a minute because honestly, that was that was the first video of yours that I saw that really got my attention, and that really got me to watch a lot of your other content because I um again we're gonna get into in a minute, but I initially was gonna do a full on analysis of the movie, but then you did yours, and I saw yours, and I'm like, she pretty much said everything I need to say. The only thing I did was follow up behind it, but we're getting that to that in a minute. And so what other um, popular videos have you have? The, I guess the next one that I can think of would be the whole new face mm. where I asked people if it was okay to give yourself an entirely new face through plastic surgery, which on the one hand I'm fine with, if you want to do that, that's up to you. But then on the other hand, you do have to start talking about transhumanism. Right. And how much can we have science interfere and with nature? Exactly. And if you believe in a God and so forth. So I came at it from that front. But I think because I put um, Khloe Kardashian on the cover to be mm. like, she gave herself a whole new face. She really did. Yeah, she, she really kind of did. <laughs> so is that okay? And I asked 
And because uh, my workout buddy, I talk to my workout buddy a lot in the mornings before we start working out on mm-hmm. Zoom. And she's an actress and she is very much against the prospect of people coming in and giving themselves an entirely new face through plastic surgery because she's like, look, us girls are out here trying to make it on what we got. And if we morally won't do it or can't afford to do it, is it fair? Right. Understandable. Very understandable. Um, the whole plastic surgery thing, I'm, 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 back, I'm back and forth with it. My thing is, if it's a necessary thing, like if you have like something that's like, again, some sort of deformity that's either life threatening or just makes you feel very, you know, not confident about yourself. Like that's one thing, but if you're, if it's just like procedure after procedure after procedure, then like you, you, you might have a problem. You, you, you might have a problem there. <laughs> it, they do, they get addicted. That's what they say around here. Cause I'm, I'm in Los Angeles right now, yeah. as we've discussed, and mm-hmm. there's plastic surgery places everywhere. And, you know, people come in for, like, one thing, and then they come in for another thing, and then they come in, I'll fix this, and I'll fix this. And after a while, you don't even recognize them anymore. Yeah, it's really wild. And unfortunately, living here in the States, you know, everything is, mostly everything is based on how you look. If we're going to be real, everything is kind of pretty much based on how you look, how you're, how you're, if you're easy on the eyes, if you're marketable visually that's really what it comes down to so but no i think i'm in pretty much the same boat with you and i don't know as time progresses on i don't know if it's gonna get any better it could most likely get worse it is i mean because people become more vain as time goes on i hope not i i know i am hopelessly naive and optimistic (laughs) for the future but i really think that people are gonna wake up and look back on the past 10, 20 years and say, what were we thinking? It got way out of hand and it just, everything turned into a mess. Maybe we should reflect on what got us here. I'm really hoping that 2020 is the year where people will say, at the end of it, people will be like, okay, we're completely screwed up. We need some help. We need to fix a few things. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that's what happens, but I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna make a video about it because I really do want people to just be like, okay, guys, we had a bender, it was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. We watched too much Cardassians and we were on Instagram a little bit too much. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna walk it back. Yeah, yeah. So let's get to let's get to cuties, mignons. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, you were one of the very few people that I found on YouTube that shared the same sentiments about the movie as I did. It was you, it was Abbott and Preach, it was even Ben Shapiro, of all people, Ben Shapiro, that I was surprised to see, you know, give the viewpoint that he did on a movie. Um, everyone should pretty much be aware of what the movie is about, or what the premise of the movie was about. It was marred by controversy even before it even premiered here in the States on Netflix. Again, I really feel, and I think you agree that majority of that is due to the marketing of the movie. Netflix royally screwed up. <laughs> they, ro- they royally screwed up with the marketing and the posters that they came up with in the movie. However, I think the movie itself does warrant some... I- I- I've been on a quest to really try to bring forth context and nuance back into critical thinking, because I think you can agree that context and nuance have been going out the window. Completely They're gone. out the window. They caught a bus. They're out of here. You know, so, you know, you, you've watched the movie, I've watched the movie. And again, we both share the same exact thoughts. What would you say would be people's reasoning for just completely tearing this movie down? I mean, pretty much everyone knows what the Pretty where the what the basic the standard criticism of the movie is, but to a degree, it might be something a little bit more deeper than that. What would you say would be the deeper underlying reason why people are just completely outright condemning the movie without context or nuance? Well, we're up in this QAnon thing, so a good third of the internet is obsessed with pedophilia and child trafficking. It's not completely unfounded. 
Mm-hmm. What they're saying is not completely unfounded. You know, Jeffrey Epstein did his thing and they're mm-hmm. still trying to hide that. Right. I don't believe he killed himself. Come no, on. Absolutely not. <laughs> so you see these things and it, it hit at the wrong time where we're in the middle of an election where the far right has taken for its cause um, pedophilia, which isn't a bad cause to take. I'm not going to say that they're wrong to be concerned of this because there is there is human trafficking. There is child trafficking. Mm-hmm. And then, so they think Hollywood is complicit in this, which if you look at what Epstein did, you think, well, is Hollywood complicit? Mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, Hollywood has been complicit for 60 years in this. Right. Only, yeah, because they, exactly. they put these 16-year-old girls out there and they say, this is the sexiest you can be at 16. Mm-hmm. The Victoria's Secret girls all looked like they were prepubescent as well. Right. So it's hard to say that the elites define elites haven't been complicit in this not even to say what happened with megan fox exactly. and michael bay mm-hmm. so they're here and they're they're wired up to 10 thinking okay we have to be on the lookout for this right we have to be on the lookout for them trying to put out more um insidious pedophilia nonsense and so they saw the movie and they thought okay this is what they're doing again I'm very, I, I'm sympathetic with that side, even though a lot of them attacked me very harshly on the video comments. I'm still sympathetic because I do feel that they're coming from a good place. I just don't feel, I feel they're so caught up in that section of the internet that they don't see that, well, life is still going on. It's not all, you know, pedophilia and Epstein this. Like, there's still, we're still living life. And other things come out that have nothing to do with that. Exactly. And, and again, like I said, I share the same exact sentiments also because, you know, after, again, after watching your review of the movie and your analysis, rather, it was more so anal- analysis than a review. Again, I came back with the same exact, th- I came back with something else. You know, I, I did my video and I talked about how, you know, what, like QAnon, what everybody's talking about. I said that everyone for the for all intents and purposes is justified in feeling the way they feel about the movie i'm not we're not saying that's wrong but what we're saying is as far as this movie itself we're overstepping the context and nuance of what was being talked about and you said it best you know this is ultimately a movie that's dealing with a society society that our young that our young people are looking at especially our young girls and in today's world, a lot of these young people are taking cues from what they see online, what they see on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, you know, whatever, whatever they see online, they are taking cues from that. Ultimately, it is up to us, the older generation, to really educate the younger generation, especially our young girls, that this is not where you this is not the direction you need to take in order to matter in order to like really make yourself stand out and the fact of the matter is a lot of communities don't really take the time out to have these conversations with their kids and that's kind of what my argument is is that we have to sit our kids down we have to educate them we have to teach them that all right there's this and then there's that ultimately you have a decision to make you can either go this way or you can go this way you don't have to do this in order to make something of yourself or feel like this is how it's going to make you stand out because we live in a world where a lot of kids are forced to grow up really quickly and that was one of the and i think you mentioned this also this was one of the key things that was featured in the movie you know the young girl i'm um Amy, 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 the young lady. Amy is probably a better pronunciation, but yeah. Her mother is going through a situation where she has to pretty much watch her husband marry another woman because of religious doctrines and the Islamic faith. That's what's allowed. And again, we're not going to get into that part because that's something. Couldn't be me. That's something completely (laughs) different. Not be me. (laughs) You know, so not only does she have to deal with watching her mother essentially have like a mental and spiritual breakdown she pretty much has to take care of her two younger brothers now how many times have we seen 
kids, no, no older than her. She was like what, 11. Yeah. No, no, older than, no older than her have to take on a parental role in their family. It happens more often than you think. And we don't talk about that enough. We're always talking about kids need to be kids, but we're throwing so many adult pressures on them that like they have no other choice. So I, I really appreciated what you said in your video. And I even shared it once I did mine. Of course, just like you, I got a lot of backlash from people saying it's pedophilia. They're, they're too young. I'm like, and the question I always ask these people is like, would you have watched this movie if it were older people? If these were like 16 and 18 year olds, would you have watched it then? Would the message have really stuck to you if it were older people? Of course, they're going to say yes, but we all kind of know that. Like, I mean, they've been having movies like that for years now. You didn't say anything then. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean... It's funny you should say this because I was actually reading a book at the time and I did a video on it called uh, The Secret Life of American Girls. That was a very good video. I did watch that. I enjoyed that a great deal. And it's it's all firsthand accounts. So this uh, Nancy Jo Sales, she's a journalist and she goes and she talks to hundreds of young girls starting from around 12 to 19. And so when she's talking to the young, young girls, she puts those in the in the prefet the preface or the introduction section mm -hmm. and then so she starts it at 13 and i'm thinking 13 is really young I, of course i remember clearly being 13 and mm -hmm. the pressures we faced and uh, luckily it wasn't all over everything everybody's you know right. facebook if we messed up you know maybe you had a myspace but like parents weren't on myspace like right it was fine you, mm -hmm. you could be 13 you could screw up you could like you could do whatever but the the pressures the girls face now is so incredible at such a young age because they're 13 and they're comparing themselves on Instagram, not just to the girls on their, at their school, but they're comparing themselves to like every girl in the world who is their age and who the boys at their school like. And so they have this, this super increased pressure mm -hmm. to, to look a certain way, to be a certain, uh, to have a certain amount of sexuality. And um, in addition, there it's not just oh i'll show you mine if you show me yours it's like right. can you send can you send me one you know send me nudes that i've been asked for nudes and then a lot of the times according to uh these stories these first-hand accounts those nudes are then being tra uh, traded mm -hmm. for older kids like like there's some kind of currency uh right. for booze and so forth so then that's that's out that's everywhere there are these pages that they could end up on it's it's really treacherous yes. to be 13 right now and a girl, because people, even I remember being 13 and having people like say things to me that were completely inappropriate. And I, I even at the time I knew like that was really inappropriate. He shouldn't have said that or this person shouldn't be talking to me in that way. But I could just like, you know, it was like here or there. And I'd be like, okay, that's, that's okay. I'm going to leave that alone. Mm -hmm. But now for it to happen constantly and to happen when you're in the comfort of your own home on your phone. Right. You got to be careful. I think parents have to like really inform their children of what, what it can cost you. And I think you mentioned the key word in that, and that is inform. Too often do we have like a lot of adult figures and parents that just want to punish. They want to punish, they want to dictate, they want to control what their kids are doing. It's like, it, and you, you can't do that. Kids have to, again, like you said, kids have to screw up. <laughs> it's a part of growing up. You have to screw up in order to know how to fix what you screwed up. Again, is is like you said, it's very treacherous out here, especially in today's world. Like back then, when we were younger, you know, we didn't have you know cell phones that can like take all these different type of pictures with all these different filters that can be sent not only just to another person but to all these different social media platforms. We didn't have that stuff. You know, back in the MySpace days, you had a you had a profile picture if you were lucky to have at least a scanner scan a picture to your profile if you're looking at i'm telling my age now sorry but you know you were lucky if you even had that you know and you know i think about a lot you know especially with schools how you know such if sex education is even being taught you know i had it when i went to school a few times but now it doesn't seem like it's really 
really put out there in the forefront for them to understand. And and the crazy thing is like so many things evolve over the years that there should be more covered in sex education as opposed to just the actual act of sex itself. You know, there should be discussions about sexuality and social media, you know, self-esteem and comparing yourselves to all these different people around the world that you now have access to because of social media. It's 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 very crazy and I'm really am hoping that parents and adults really take the time out to really sit their kids down and try to edge and it's to a point where you actually kind of you got to start early and then like you said like you remember being at 13 years old being taught to a certain way by certain people and more than likely these people were like older than you like yeah I, I remember when Chris Rock made the joke in one of his specials years ago like how women become used to being offered sex because ever since they were like 11 12 13 years old every guy they met was trying to sleep with them that's still true to this day if we're going to be honest it still is so we have to recognize that reality and i hope i mean i hope people watch that video because again i watched your video and it really opened my eyes i mean it was already things that i already knew but to hear it from the author's perspective was really eye-opening because i know it was eye-opening for the author because i remember you saying that she must been, she must have been born at a different time frame because she obviously isn't aware of like all the social media risings that's taking place so she doesn't know that these things are actually going on so it was a rude awakening for her yeah i think she's a, a baby boomer or maybe maybe early early um gen x so mm -hmm. she didn't even come she didn't even see what was going on in the 2000s. Right. And I, th I think our culture made a huge shift in the early 2000s. I don't want to drag anybody, but, you know, everyone was having their sex tapes around then, and then it became cool to have that. And before that, like, when you look back on all the super famous women, they didn't have anything like that in public. Right. Like, that was, that was very frowned upon. Whether or not it should have been frowned upon, that's up for people to decide. I don't think you should be given the scarlet letter for doing any sort of sex work forever right. and ever. But I also don't think that you should come up off of that. Right. Because that sends a bad example. Mm -hmm. So, oh my God, I sound like an old school mom. <laughs> but like it does. I mean, you can't, you can't say oh, this person became a billionaire by doing this thing that everybody does, but you don't do it because... Right. that would be bad for you like come on it, and it's funny because you you mentioned that and the first thing i think back is to playboy you know playboy was like the first real like mainstream sex related publication that was out and a lot of famous women have posed for playboy i mean even to this day it was still it's still looked at as like kind of like you know you did that that's cool i mean it was tasteful for the most part, it wasn't just like, you know, sleazy or anything. It was actually tasteful. But as you said, like once the sex tape thing became like a thing and like people were like, wait, I can actually make a career off of this. That's when I was like, OK, time out. Hold on. Yeah, let's 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 dial it back here a little bit because, you know, because now it's, it's sending like like you said, it's saying, sending the wrong message. To not only our young girls, but to our young boys too. So it's like, oh, if I do that, then I can become popular. And we've all heard stories of the whole casting couch thing, you know, um, Harvey Weinstein, things like that. Those things are, I mean, I haven't seen it firsthand, but you have to believe that they're true. Like, oh, I believe it's true. Absolutely believe. I believe that and worse. Exactly. Yes. You know, um, I did a video like maybe a few days after the cuties video and um I talked about how you know there's a release of like all these different people who might be who might be connected to like sex tracking and human trafficking and stuff. I'm not going to get into that, but you know Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman who's been like at the forefront for years trying to blow the cap off, you know the predatory natures of all these people in the entertainment industry and people just keep trying to denounce him and like shun him and it's like you pro you probably have to believe it now like i mean it's irrefutable for you to just say no that didn't happen really 
really? I, mean, I got a story of a friend. This is a friend. I'm not going to mention the person's name. They're actually a former friend, and I hope they're not watching your podcast. <laughs> but this is a straight male, straight male who was somehow convinced that he was um, maybe he wasn't so straight. And maybe if he dated this producer for a while, he could get a lot of uh, a lot more roles and a lot more opportunities because this was a this was a few years ago i think it was about five or six years ago where <laughs> which is which i appreciate this if you watch my videos you know i appreciate a good propaganda brainwashing i'm yeah. not gonna fall for it but i'm like oh i see what you did there mm-hmm. i went to school for media and journalism i mm, well done <laughs> but this was a lot of people were trying to convince straight men that there's no such thing as preference that we're all bi to some degree so he was like maybe i'm bi too and he's talking to me and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm just straight. I'm like, yeah, people, people are straight. And he's like, I, I didn't, I dated him for a while, but I didn't like anything I did with him. And I was like, yeah, you're a straight person. There's a reason for that. And he was gotten so in this per- person's head that he convinced them that he might not even be straight. And unfortunately that is, that is real. That's a real thing too. Like, People then, not even people higher up, but people who are very charismatic, who know how to say things and say it in a certain way, they'll, they, they know how to dig inside your mind and make you leave something that you don't necessarily would have never leave beforehand. And, you know, it's funny, you mentioned that story. I was thinking about Tiger King for a second and his whole situation with uh, Joe Exotic and, and, and what three guys he married who we all knew weren't, didn't have a gay bone in their body, but somehow he married them. He is a master. He is a master of bullshit. I appreciate a good bullshit artist because I know I'm not going to fall for it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I see what you're doing there. And I think it's funny. It's not funny when it's ruining the country. Of course, I I don't think it's funny right now. Well, I do, but Mm -hmm. not really. Yeah. Joe got it. (laughs) I mean, it, it's amusing. It's just like, oh, this is how it was done. Like I did that one about uh, the Gallup Wars and I was like, oh my God, this is wonderful propaganda on Caesar's mm-hmm. part. Like he's really coming all out with it. And it's still, <laughs> you know, he still controls the narrative. Mm-hmm. But the way Joe Exotic was able to convince those men that they were in love with him when really they were under like some sort of meth spell or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. a drug spell. Yeah. I mean... I don't know if he's evil. Maybe Joe Exotic's like this much evil, but well done. It taught me not to fall for that, you exactly, know? Like yes. Exactly. Free Joe Exotic, by the way. Free Joe Exotic. Let him out. Free Come Joe on. Exotic? Free Joe yeah. Exotic. Let's go. Come on. Get him into I politics. Can... No, we should jail Carol Baskin. Oh, she. Oh, listen. Jo- Look, she did that shit. I'm sorry. She, she totally did that. Did. She did it. I don't care. I'm going to keep saying it. Until I die, she did that shit. I don't, I don't she care. did. <laughs> she and she's a, she got away with it because she is a masterful bullshit artist. Oh, yeah. Tiger King is a very good example in in the art of being a bullshit artist. That's what. It, oh, if that's your t- if that's if there's one takeaway from Tiger King, that's what it is. Like from Joe Exotic to Carol Baskin to. That other guy who bought Joey Sonic's zoo or took it over, that guy, that one, that that other dude that had a whole harem of women. I'm like, come on now, like, like that was a good way to kick off the quarantine. I ain't gonna lie now. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, that was a good way to kick off the quarantine. Just watching that mess. But yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. someone's worse off than me right now. Yes. All these people. Right, you know, so. It, it, it was fun entertainment watching. Speaking of that, let's segue into just entertainment in general. Now, you know, we've talked about a lot of the, some of the negatives, one of the biggest negatives in the entertainment industry. Some would argue that it's still like a lot more minor ones. I, I recently did a, another show because I have another podcast and I recently did one with my friends and we talked about, you know, the pros and cons of diversity and inclusivity in movies and TV and, and entertainment in general. It doesn't have to just be movies and TV. It could be video games, books, and all that stuff. Um, 
have you seen anything firsthand of what is, or, or what are your thoughts on like, you know, pro exclusivity and diversity in entertainment as it stands today? I think when you see the way things are kind of done behind the scenes, the way talent is funneled and found, especially the behind the scenes talent, like they graduate a few universities, they all go to work at the, a few um, uh, agencies where they get their training and mm -hmm. then they go to uh, the studios. Mm -hmm. So someone recommends them to go into the um, agencies, the right. major agencies, and they do like a year of torture where an agent yells at them and they're an assistant and they're screamed at constantly. Mm -hmm. And then they move to the studios. And when you look at that funnel of where the people who make the decisions come from, you don't see a lot of diversity. Right. Because you still need that recommendation to get the interview for um, for the agency. And that's considered, oh, that's, that's your foot in the door. Right. Is once you get to work there for a year as someone's assistant. Um, obviously, it, it, it really um, helps you if you have one of the right universities on your degree as well, like USC, uh, or um, American Film Institute, not American Film Institute, I think it's AFI, AFI, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like this. Um, then there are a few others that it really helps you if you have that on your resume, then to then get to the agency. But I think that is the biggest barrier that a lot of people don't understand is that just to get that recommendation, you need to have that recommendation from somebody who either worked there before or knows people. And who do those people look like? Like, mm -hmm. It's not necessarily super nefarious, although it is. It plays out yeah. nefariously yeah. because then those are the producers and the people who are giving the money and who ones who are giving the opportunities and the ones who can then say, oh, I have a friend who's a director. Oh, I have a friend who's an actress. Oh, I have a friend who's this, this, and that. So that's where I think a lot of the tribalism comes in and the tribalism is reinforced. And honestly, I'm like, if you can, whatever you can do to break up that funnel because that's what's keeping the diversity in right. the lack of diversity in place is, is that very strict funnel where it's like, and and then they all become like bouncers at a, um, at a nightclub or it's just like, you're not the cool one. I control who, who then gets mm -hmm. access, which everybody does. Bouncers yeah. do everybody, mm -hmm. you know, from the top of the income ladder all the way down has that like, Oh, I have power over somebody. So yeah. it's going to be my friend. It's going to be this. And, I don't want to talk to this no-name person who I've never seen before. And, I mean, we see it a lot because, obviously, I mean, not to bash anybody else, but we work with a lot of Black comedians. And if you just see the depth of talent in acting and comedy, just with the people we work with on a day-to-day, -day, and then I'm like, well, where are they? Where are their shows? Where where's it? They just, there's not that extra jump to the, oh, the rich kids access. Right. I just want to, yeah, there's not that jump to the, the in crowd. They're still on the out crowd, despite their incredible amount of talent, like just raw talent, mm -hmm. which, you know, you, you look on any of these major whatever. And you're like, well, this, you know, this actor's okay, but they're not, they're not the talent. They don't have, they don't have that. And I do believe that there is such a thing as talent, which can be born or grown mm -hmm. and that that is important that we foster in individuals. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I am. And it's hard to say, cause I'm not all for doing everything required to do, to have diversity. Like it's not just, you know, give this black director a shot because he's black, but maybe give this black director a shot and actually look at his work. And don't maybe he's nobody's friend or he's nobody's kid or he didn't go to the right university, but look at his work, see what he can do, objectively look at it, stop acting like a bouncer at a nightclub and say, oh, this is actually pretty good. Maybe I will give him a shot over somebody I know. And that all, all of that is a very good point because that's actually some of the things that we talked about, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm not for diversity for the sake of diversity. I'm for diversity if the person can actually do it. If the narrative fits correctly, because I'm, I'm a very narrative-driven person. Like, if the story makes it make sense, then I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for, like, I mean, for, like, we talked about, we talked a lot about, like, race bending. Like, switching a character from one way to another. 
you know, we see it a lot happen. We see it happen a lot in like very like fictional type movies, like you know MCU, you know Harry Potter, anything fantastical. Just usually when it happens, but to me, it's like it's like again, like I said in the video, it's like one of those, like don't make Superman black just to make Superman black. You know, mm -hmm. for as long as for as long as I've known Superman, he's always been a white guy. He's Jewish, right? I mean, the person who made Superman is Jewish, but I mean, essentially, I mean, if you want, I mean, technically he would be Jewish. Batman has always been a white guy. Captain America has always been a white guy. Like, if you're going to do that, either create someone completely new or create a story where it makes sense. You know, not even just with race bending. We, we even talked about, you know, the inclusion of people from the LGBTQ community into like, you know, acting, you know, we, I'm pretty sure you heard of what a lot of the black backlash that actors and actresses get for playing a character that's from that community, either gay, lesbian, transgender, things like that. Um, but it's like you said, like there's like a is there's like a list. <laughs> there's like a list, and the only people that are on that list are talented people. You know, think of how many actors have portrayed you know, gay characters in movies or transgender characters. Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Tom Hanks. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. There's been a couple. Antonio Banderas. Anto Antonio Banderas did an incredible Banderas. job. Exactly. You know, like people, people get lost in this idea that the, uh, people from these different diverse groups should just be thrown in there because they are a part of that group. Hindsight 2020, maybe, but you got to understand that this is a business. You know, people are people's bank accounts essentially depend on this stuff. So I'm not going to cast you if you're not talented enough to pull off it. Okay, you're from that community. That's great. But can you act? Can you sing? Can you dance? Can you do this stuff? That's what ultimately counts. Like, I look at you know, I don't know if you follow like the Arrowverse or anything like that. You know, all the superhero shows on TV, but um, not the, too closely. But um, the character of Batwoman, Batwoman in the comic books is actually a lesbian character. In the TV show, they got Ruby Rose to play her. Ruby Rose, who is, I believe, bisexual or lesbian. I'm, I don't know if she flip flops between the two. Love her, but. And I've told people this plenty of times. If it, if, like, I always said, if they ever casted a live action Batwoman, Ruby Rose would be the first one to play her. And sure enough, that's what they did. Now, now, unfortunately, she's not coming back for the second season. You know, she attributed to some certain injuries that she suffered on set. I think there's some other things. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people were jumping on her, claiming that she she doesn't really know how to act. <laughs> Um, here's my thing about that acting acting to me is also subjective it's like you know we look at people like you know Ruby Rose or like Shia LaBeouf or Daniel Day Lewis who's like always considered like the top echelon of acting you know he like only does a movie like every like five years and every time he does a movie it's like a five hour super epic mess but it's fantastic yeah. I love him <laughs> Like that's how you should do your art. You should exactly. believe it like that. I mean, let's not let's even let's even get off the subject of actors. Let's look at filmmakers themselves. Christopher Nolan does a movie like maybe every three years, and every time he does a movie, it's like a three-hour epic. From Tenet, which I haven't seen yet, I haven't seen Tenet yet, to like Dunkirk or like Inception or The Prestige, The Dark Knight trilogy, it's like. When you're talented, you can command whatever salary, whatever time, whatever you want. You can't just go in there. Notice I said command, not demand. You can demand whatever, but ultimately filmmakers are going to be like, eh, we'll get back to you. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. My people call your people something like that, like that, you know, but as far as diversity is concerned, like I said, I'm for diversity if it makes sense. If you find, if you have a person who is talented, but also happens to be of the LGBTQ community, whoever happens to be a person of color, great. Because what people forget, depending on what industry you get into, get into, what usually comes first is 
what you can do within the industry and then who you are. Like, yeah, they need to break through the ta- that. Well, there is a wall there. I believe that a lot of talented people cannot get to the other side of because they don't know the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think is probably the biggest obstacle to having genuine diversity in the industry right. is, is breaking through that wall of people who just, they get a million submissions a day. They don't want to hear from a random person. Mm-hmm. It's a friend of a friend of a friend. And that's how, that's how that happens where you right. get someone who has the right look or a lot of times my friend's telling me now, um, she doesn't have enough Instagram followers. They'll go to your Instagram followers and see if I, if this person has enough Instagram followers, like we we're talking about before with uh, cuties, mm-hmm. well, then I'll give her the role because then she could post it out on her Instagram and more people will watch. So it, it really is maybe less. Well, there is, there is a talent aspect. Like you need, yeah. you need talent. A lot of a lot of people working right now. I'm like y'all. Y'all could do a few more acting classes. Y'all could learn mm-hmm. a little bit more from the British and the Australians, and like work on your craft. Right. And then there is the aspect of somehow climbing over that wall to get to the other side, where people can put you in roles. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you are an actress or an actor and you don't know anybody and you can't climb after that over that wall. How do you make an Instagram or social media profile that is big enough without over-sexualizing yourself, without having had the roles to begin with Mm -hmm. for anyone to be looking for your Instagram page? Exactly. It's like an impossible task. Mm -hmm. And and it's funny because I've I've met quite a few actor friends over the years. Like no one like too like big name or anything, but like they're in it. They're, They're in the industry one way or another. And, and what you said is absolutely correct is because, because you got to think about it. Like there is like hills and like doorways that you kind of got to get through to really get in there. You know, I mean, we talk a lot, people talk bad about social media a lot, but honestly speaking, it's also done a great deal of good. You know, a lot of people have been able to break in a lot of industries because of their social media. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber would have never been discovered if he hadn't posted that video on YouTube all those years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Instagram, like, you know, your followers actually help you quite a lot. Like, it, 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 every the entertainment industry, like, half of it really is a numbers game. Like, if you have the numbers, people will be like, bring that person in. I want to talk to them. Or call that yeah. person up. I want to see what they can do here. It, it really is like that. You know, now I'll tell you right now, my Instagrams, they're in like the three digits. I'm not a four digit person just yet, but you know, it is what it is, but that's really how it, how it is these days. You've got to be able, and again, without over-sexualizing yourself, you have to figure out those ways that you can like get past the barrier of the, of the, of the bouncer. You have to do that because again, you look at someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, who's been into the game for like how he's been in the game since forever. He's been in the game. And again, he's at, he's at a level where he can like sign on to do a movie every five or ten years, and is always an Oscar contender. Now, awards shouldn't probably maybe shouldn't be your biggest goal. If you win one, cool. But to reach a level where people are knocking on your door, you're getting script after script after script at your mailbox every single day. Because filmmakers are like, I need this person to be in this movie. I need this person to be in this show. Again, like you said, it's a talent thing. You you gotta you gotta portray that talent because again, if you can't do the job, which what all you whatever all your skin is or who you decide to have a relationship with, isn't really gonna matter if you really can't do the job. And like you said, you mentioned like the Brits and the Australians. People complain a lot about them, but like, there's a reason why they get hired a lot for American roles because they understand the art of acting. It is what it is. You know, it takes work. A lot of people, they want to be actors and actresses, but they don't want to put in the work or they think, well, anybody can do this and maybe anybody can do it, but like you still, I, I believe anybody can draw. People disagree with me, but I believe Anybody can draw if you put in enough mm-hmm. time and effort and are self-critical 
and are willing to go back. You know, it's it's just like any art form. You really right. you have to respect it. And that's what Daniel Day Lewis does. Is he yeah. he is an actor? I think he's also a shoemaker um, when he's not acting. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. But I think he's like he's very much an, a creative artist, and he's always in that creative sphere. Right. And when he does take on a role, he's able to give it his all because also financial issues. He's not obviously not wanting for money. He doesn't have to go to mm-hmm. a nine to five and then right. come home and work on his craft. But yeah. it's what he does. He puts yeah. he puts those that time into it, and you got to respect that. Exactly. And that's the other thing that a lot of people, a lot of people that don't want to do also, you know, I, we, like, I'm in the same boat. I, I have a nine to five job. I got like, I got, technically I got two jobs, but that doesn't mean I don't take time out or use the free time that I have to devote it to the craft that I really want to get into. And, and you just said it, like, there's a lot of people that want to get into business, but they don't want to put the work in to really, really work or really stand out that you belong in that business it, it's not going to work that way especially now where you, i mean you don't really even need a talent agent you can just be like put up youtube let me see who's out there go to instagram let me see what some of these people are looking like who are trying to get into this industry let me see what's going on here there's always going to be people that are going to be working 10 times harder to get where you want to get to you ultimately decide for yourself is that something you want Yeah, if anyone is out there who wants to be an actor or actress, obviously I'm not, I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis, but I can offer just a bit of advice for people. If you're not in Los Angeles, check up your local film school, see if they're, what their postings are, see if they need actors or actresses, and just be willing to work small, Mm -hmm. because of those directors that are in the film school, they're already putting however much to the film school, so they care about it, they might pop off. Right. So their movies might pop off and then they they remember that you showed up for free and worked for them and then and then they're going to put you in stuff later. Mm-hmm. That's practice. That's your work on the ground of making those relationships and just being on set and knowing what the etiquette is and what you're expected to do. Make the editor happy and they will like you. Mm-hmm. Just make the editor happy. Make sure you have a lot of takes where the editor can work with, not just, oh, we have to use this take because this is the only time she said the line right, right. and had her hands in the right position. Like, be aware of those little things that really anybody can do. That's one. And if you need an acting studio, a lot of them have gone online now. Yes. So just because you're in, I don't know, New Jersey probably has a lot of acting studios, but let's say mm. you're in Minnesota or something like that, and you say, I, there's no acting school near me. A lot of them have gone online, check them out. Um, my dance, my old dance studio started up one, uh, Debbie Reynolds Legacy Acting oh, okay. Studio. So check that's online. We all have to do it online because of COVID. Right. So something like that doesn't have to be that particular one, but you know, check check out these big name studios that maybe you couldn't have gone to last year, but you can go to now this year because they're online. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's it's actually it's actually gotten a lot simpler. Than before that and that and i think that's the ultimate takeaway if some people can hopefully can take from this that it's actually gotten a lot easier i've had plenty of people ask me where can they send their kids to get acting lessons i live in bloomfield there's literally an acting school right on the main strip and i'll tell people just go right there check them out see what they got going on like it's it's very easy to hone your craft if you put the time into it you know like again because of COVID and everything i've actually just like you, I've t- I've taken a backseat to like physical acting. I've done a few things here and there, but I've been basically focused on writing, writing and voice acting. That's really what I've been sticking out to because, to me, I think I enjoy writing more than I actually enjoy acting. Like, and now that I've had free time to do it, it's like I get to actually put some of the ideas in my head to paper, and I'm pretty sure it's the same thing for you. You know, you get to sit down and put all these things down, and it's like. I can see this playing out on screen or somewhere else, you know, but it's just taking the time to actually really, if you really, really want it, you're going to put the time in for it, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, so like, what are some of the things that you are excited to start working on? (laughs) What do you have coming down the pike? 
Well, we're going to be working on uh, this sci-fi um, project with Kev. Mm. Uh, he's executive producing. Okay. And then for, for my channel, I actually, a couple years ago, I wrote and painted this novella series, this satire novella series. And it's about two L.A. girls, Sage and Mari, girls, women, Sage and Mari, who are spiritual. They're spiritual. You know how we're spiritual here. They do the yoga. They got their crystals. Mm -hmm. Anyway, their guru, Swami Kurt, dies. Mm. And so they then go on this trek over the world to find the reincarnation of their beloved guru. Interesting. So I actually, I wrote it out and I paint. So every chapter, there's 12 chapters per novella. Mm. And every chapter I did two paintings. Nice. I actually painted 11 by 14 sitting there. Like it took me forever, but I'm going to be reading that on my YouTube channel. Nice. Very nice. Like we, we're almost in the same boat because I'm doing a, I'm doing a couple of fan things right now. I'm doing a couple of rewrites of already previous established, you know, properties, but you know, I'm going to be like producing them strictly for YouTube. All my actual original stuff. You know, I got one thing written out. I'm actually working, working on part two or episode two of one of the series that I'm writing. And then I mean, I'm going to be focusing on casting now. Hopefully when everything go back to normal, you know, and filming can actually start. I mean, no, I know big studios, they're filming stuff already, but they've had to shut down numerous times. My thing is I'd rather be safe than sorry. So I don't mind waiting a little bit and stuff but i mean some of the things i'm working on now we're probably gonna start filming once you know like things kind of like as long as things will spike up basically we'll, we'll start but um i'm gonna be i say a prayer for you yeah <laughs> living... i have no idea how when this is gonna end so i just yeah. best of luck living in the tri-state area can be rough i mean we've been we've been okay you know but you know things can always happen because some people just don't like to listen. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I'm, but I'm very much looking forward to that novella. And um, I'm definitely going to be tuning in when it's ready to go. Uh, soon. Soon. Sweet. I will start those soon. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to ask. I think the only thing I have left to ask is where can people follow you? Well... You can follow me on YouTube at Maya Muses, and I spell my name wrong, as people have pointed out. It's M-A-Y-E, Muses, M-U-S-E-S. So those are my musings. And then on Instagram is Maya Paints, because those where I put my paintings, if I haven't done paintings in a while. But I do want to get a selfie in this year. We'll see. Mm. We'll see if it'll allow me. A selfie, I uh, to combat all of these incessant selfies that people were doing mm. i started doing one self-portrait a year and being like this is my selfie this is all you get <laughs> to my uh, instagram people because i hate posting pictures of myself mm, okay. so i do want to get a selfie in this year i do want to paint a self-portrait this year so that's my instagram maya paints okay. and you can see my art up there sweet and so and some what's going on in my life but i, I don't i'm not good at instagram it, it Instagram is Instagram is tricky, actually. I, I'm not I'm not that good at it either. Like I'm good for posting. That, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I I got my hashtag game together this year, but you know, it's, it's still very tricky. Like I see people who are like professionals at this stuff, and it's like maybe one day I'll ask for help on how to become a little bit more proficient in it. But eh, it, it again. Instagram for me is just things to post. Like, I mean, I have two. I have a personal one. I have one for like my YouTube channel or, or just my entertainment and stuff. So, whatever entertainment related stuff, I put that on there. Whatever personal stuff, I put on my own personal one. But it, it's tricky. So it, it can be kind of hard. You know, we're not all social media savvy people. Okay, some of us more than others. So just keep that in mind. Okay, but um. Maya, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a 
great, great interview, and it was nice to get to know you a little bit more. Again, I've watched a lot of your videos, and everything you post up in your videos definitely, you know, definitely strikes a chord with me. You know, it wasn't just a cuties one, but everything else, and I find myself laughing at a lot of the things that you post up, so I can't wait to see what your next video is going to be about. Like, you're, you're definitely doing better than me because my schedule is like, mm, like when I first started, I was like every day, but like now it's like, eh, maybe once in a while, but you gotta live your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing too, people. Like if you're doing this thing, don't get caught up in this whole idea that you got to post every single day. You know, if you want to, that's fine. That's, that, if you have time for it, go right ahead, but don't get into the idea that you have to, you know. You know, at this point, YouTube is just fun for me. It's not like really so much a way of making money. It's just really just for free time and stuff. So, um, thank you so much for asking me to be here. Thank this you. This has so been a wonderful conversation. It really has been. And I hope to have you on again, actually, at some point in the future, you know, so, you know, so people. I would can, love that. I would definitely really appreciate that. And, Again, please, every, all her social media links will be in the description box. So, you know, her YouTube channel, her Instagram, so you'll be able to follow her from there, people. Please go subscribe to her channel because a lot of the videos she has up there are great. And I th really think you'll enjoy them a lot. So definitely give her a follow. Always hit the bar right next to the subscribe button when she drops a new video. But we, we have to say that now, apparently, because if people, if we don't, people won't hit the bell because, you know, people don't want to. But... In any case, thank you so much for joining me, Maya, and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll try to do this again. We'll definitely try to do this again at some point in the future. All right? Please. Thank you. Thank you you so have a good Sunday. You too. Everybody else, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. Again, hit the bell right next to the subscribe button so you know when I drop another video. I'm, the, the whole, this whole interview series is going to try to make it a regular thing now. If I can even do an interview once a month, that's what we're going to do. All right. I'm not Joe Rogan, but I can at least try. Okay. I can at least try. Uh, every way you can follow me is in my description box. So definitely follow me there, you know, and please again, go follow Maya, go subscribe to Maya on her YouTube channel. It's a great channel and she's going to be, I think she's going to do, you're going to do awesome on this. I, I just automatically, I automatically know you're going to do awesome on YouTube. So, you know, as long as you still have a love for it, you're going to be good. Always. All right. Always. And as and that's about it, guys. I will catch you guys in the next video. I might do one later. I'm not sure yet. I gotta figure that out. But we're out. All right. Peace.